Big Safety Podcast with Vance and Bart. Good afternoon. Good day. Good evening. Good morning. Yeah, whenever you're listening. Good week. Good weekend. We just kind of do our show whenever we feel like it. I'm thinking about doing it yesterday. (laughs) Tis the season, though. Everyone will say I'm saying that a bit early, but it is Christmas tip season. Yeah, I'm sure when you're listening to the show, you'll actually get a uh, holiday-themed commercial beforehand because I've already been hearing them. I'm not psychic. What what holiday-themed commercials have you been hearing? They don't say Christmas typically anymore. It's like Happy Holidays, but it's you know Christmas bells and your typical sounds of Christmas. Nothing about Thanksgiving. No gobbles or what other sounds of thanksgiving there are i think those are just harder to maintain in an orchestra pit so jingle bells really easy for a percussionist turkeys not so much yeah do you think those type of bells were associated with some other thing before christmas co-opted that sound no (laughs) nope santa claus invented jingle bells (laughs) but yes it is time for christmas tips it's the it's the season to be glad and the season to pay it forward with christmas tips i don't know do you and your wife do christmas tips because my family's got like this nice um outfit it's cut real low uh short skirt i call them christmas tits oh no no um (laughs) no um no like christmas tips tips damn it both are (laughs) both are great wonderful um we'll do tits next week yeah yeah so (laughs) When I say Christmas tips, I'm thinking folks in hospitality, uh-huh. restaurants, hotels, yeah, baristas. And, and nowadays with the Uber and the all the eats and the grocery deliveries that are going on today, it's a big, it's a big industry. There's tips are very important there. Absolutely. And I think that's why during this season, I would encourage all of our listeners to not only tip very well, but to also think about how you tip. Because I think um, there are a few things that you learn and pick up if you've ever worked in the service industry. So just as an example, if you work in a restaurant and you receive a credit card tip at the end of the night 
when mm-hmm. you reconcile, you have no real control over how that tip is reported because it's already in the system. Whereas if you receive cash tips, you will report those. It's a bit of an honor system. So by leaving a credit card tip, you essentially are giving your server no choice but to report 100% of those tips. However, if you leave a cash tip, you give your server the ability to claw back just a small, small, small portion of what might have been stolen from them by the federal government. Mistakenly leave out a couple of dollars. Honest mistake. I like that. So I remember when Zencash was a thing before the Ethereum bought them or whatever it was uh i was doing that with with zencash like i would ask the servers or the person i was going to tip if they would rather me give them cash or this cryptocurrency but i'll give them let's say i was going to give them 15 dollars. i'll give you 20 dollars worth of zencash and it was just to try to open people's eyes to the idea of not using uh the federal notes as opposed to the currency that's not controlled by the government. So I, I get what you're saying uh, through the, the being able to not report some tax money, the idea of getting people's eyes open to using crypto in everyday atmosphere. These are all ways that you can do it through giving as opposed to telling somebody what to do or trying to educate somebody on something they're not really interested at the moment in because nobody's really opened their eyes to it. But by giving somebody something, I see how you could open their eyes to that idea. Well, and that's, I think, also a good reminder for us in that moment what it's all about because we're doing this to make not only our lives better, but the lives of others better. Uh-huh. And if you can take the opportunity to make it about something bigger than just, let's say, your political beliefs, and it be more about how you're helping others or educating them or informing them as opposed to being really condescending because sometimes i mean we've talked about this before right where folks will reach a level of enlightenment that is let's just say one rung above where their friends and family are and the second that they've turned the corner they look back and say look at those fools yeah it's the guy who says this ain't my first rodeo it's at his second rodeo. Right. But it's so easy to do because when you do open your eyes to it, it the whole world opens up differently. So I, it, it's a hard thing to, to stop yourself from doing. So we're not, we're definitely not kicking you for doing that. It's just, you got to realize when you're doing it and stop because the, the pill thing, the, I haven't 
I mean, everybody uses it, but it's true. When you take that pill, it, the world's different all of a sudden. That's what we're trying to do for people through giving. You're not going to get everybody through what we education or podcasting or the things that you enjoy doing to educate people aren't going to get everybody. The thing that this other person's doing is going to get things, get people that you weren't going to get. That's what we were talking about last episode or not last episode, but a few episodes back where it's not about telling somebody they're wrong. As long as if they're spreading Liberty their way, then do it. It's okay. Uh, And this is a, this is a good way of doing it where we can, we can all do this through tipping through the cash thing. You, it's funny how people will say, I think you should pay your, I think they, people should pay their fair share in taxes. Right. But you give somebody a bunch of cash and they've got the choice of keep it or give it to a state who's not going to do anything for them or anything for their family. What do they do? Typically they, they pocket that they're going to, they're not going to report it if they don't have to. It, it's a lot different when you're voting, when you go to vote, you're, you're voting on what other people should do with their money. You're not really voting on what you should do with your money. So it's, it's, totally different uh so give people cash give people crypto and i also can say that the intention is enough right because i'm not telling someone what to do with it if if i give someone a a sizable tip or even just your standard you know 15 20% that i give it to them in cash, how they spend that has nothing to do with me. And that's how I like it. It's not up to me to tell them what to do. I'm you're what you're doing for them. What you wish people would do for you. Like I wish I would get paid that way. Yeah. And I know why the company doesn't do it because it's too big of a sum. They would get caught, but in this circumstance, we can do it through, you know, the, the fact that it is so small in the grand scheme of things. They're not watching that and it will help people, real people. And, and like you said, if you pay, if you give them the same tip in on a card, you're, you are controlling what they do with that money. You're, you're guaranteeing where it, goes first the the state gets their cut as much as i hate carrying cash i do try to tip in cash i keep enough around to do so but i will do probably a little harder more diligently during the holidays um people are spending a lot more money right now because the market's been flooded with cash now that money isn't going nearly as far so the fact that they're spending more money doesn't really mean that more goods are trading places for that money 
if you listen to the uh was that last tweet by uh harris you would isn't that the vice president's name harris yeah 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 the economy has no what she's no she said uh in their first year they've created more jobs than any other uh administration because when they started the lockdowns were <laughs> happening companies were shut down so they county like all the people going back to work is new job creations that's how she spun that i thought that was pretty pathetic but that's amazing <laughs> i did not see that that's incredible i would love to see someone that's got that much audacity that's very bold it is it, I, it's it's one thing to spin information to those who might be unsuspecting or you know poorly informed but i feel like the entire world has been paying attention for the last 18 months and would know better i guess she, the, but the the what we were talking about before with the people who are the face of of the Leviathan, the the people who look like they're in charge, right? Of the system, they're not that smart. The people manipulating them are a little more intelligent. So they're gonna say stupid shit on Twitter. Even their little handlers are still just little peons who think they're changing the world, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not about her. We're, we're never going to learn anything if we're just paying attention to the folks who are talking uh, to us, but they are fun. They are fun to listen to every once in a while. And I wonder, do you ever look at it now and think back when you were a little kid, you would look at all those presidents Above the chalkboard, like all the heads. And, you know, you're thinking how great it is to be an American here. And there's a flag and, a, you know, just that, I don't know, feeling that you're supposed to have. Like, I Patriotism. remember thinking, like, they're, they're like hero, heroes, you know, every one of them was a hero in my mind. Like, that's what it, I truly believed it to the extent like if you'd have told me any of them did anything wrong, I'd have been like, no, they never did anything wrong, you know? There was that cherry tree situation. Right. I bring it up a lot because I do, this thought goes through my head a lot. Whenever I say something bad about the presidents or whatever in the past presidents, I think about the fact that I didn't always feel that way. <laughs> Did you ever think that, like, how far you got to hear from there? And what about those people that you could see it in their eyes? Like, they know it doesn't make sense because they have to change their, what they're into with what the news cycle tells them to do. So they, they have to know somewhere in their gut that there's something wrong. But they don't want to believe it's with that, you know, with the 
the idea of this perfect United States or whatever. And they're still in the system to where it's like something like what Harris said could possibly be like, yeah, look, see, <laughs> they created all these jobs. I mean, well, somebody believes it, right? Is that true? Are there, are there a majority of people who will read that tweet and believe that? Majority? Probably not. Even if you don't believe the liberty movement's growing, I don't think the majority of people are going to believe that one. But I do think that there are adults that believe it. Because I look at my father, and uh, it's no secret that my brother's in prison, right? And he got addicted to opioids in the Marine Corps and I'm not saying that that's the Marine Corps fault entirely I'm not blaming it all on the Marine Corps but all the shit that my father's been through with the VA he was Marine uh, my brother He's just now starting to believe me when I say America's not the good guys anymore. <laughs> He's just now starting to come around to that. My brother's been in prison for like five years now, six years. So a military system and healthcare system that created an addiction that would then create a life that he would then be punished for help create yeah sure yeah i think that's a that's a good clarification he, he is his own person and i'm not here to say yeah. that we aren't responsible for our own actions but the idea that they laid the foundation for the events that transpired it's not about laying blame. That's not really what I'm getting at is that it's their fault. That's not, not it. It's more just that it's crazy that he would take until now to recognize that all of those variables contributed to the situation he's in now, as opposed to the alternative. Yeah. My father was, the, the idea that scared straight shit and he was the kind of guy who would call you know like say you found a joint or something he would call the the cop that is a buddy or something to come over and try to scare the you know his son into you know not doing that or something right and he raised us with an iron fist on a Marine Corps lifestyle. <laughs> but he believed, man. And none of it was right for me or my brother. My brother needed somebody to 
he needed somebody to care for him is what he needed. He was craving some sort of love and affection from somebody. He would get it from anybody who'd show him any attention, which is typically when you're that kind of person. People will show you attention and take advantage of you and, you know, get a ride or get drunk. And that's the kind of people you ended up hanging out with. And learning from peaceful parenting and things like that, you know, my brother had, you'll, people say he had colic, but it wasn't that. It was something different. It was, it was bad. It was, he would scream until he would pass out, turn purple and pass out, just scream bloody murder for like a year and a half, the first year and a half of his life. If he was awake, he was screaming. And they would take him to the doctors and the doctors would act like my mom was just one of those moms that can't handle a baby who cries. But it wasn't that. You know, like you babies don't cry until they pass out from not breathing over and over and over again, right? Well, of course, that drives people insane. Like my mom would curl up in the corner and just cry herself till she went to sleep because she had been up all this time, you know, and nobody wanted to go near the baby, you know, just, and you get these imprinted sense of abandonment in the early stages of the baby's brain development. And I'm not saying that my parents did anything wrong per se. It's not like they understood that they weren't doing anything on purpose to hurt my brother. It's just that people didn't know these things back then. Right. And I'm not saying for sure that's why he was that way, but he was always craving some sort of just approval. And he's not a very smart guy. Hard worker when he was sober. He he was a hard worker, but he wasn't very smart. And uh, but loyal. He was very loyal, which is part of that craving and the approval thing. You can be loyal to the wrong people, right? And of course, he joined the Marine Corps probably to get approval from his father, you know? Do you feel like he got it? He did when he graduated from boot camp. When my father was just so proud. Yeah, he was proud for the first time. But, you know, it went away pretty quick. When he married this little scuzzy whore, and you know who showed him some attention, and then you know they spent all their money and then needed money every month and whatnot, right? And it's the same shit. He didn't get anything from the military he needed. My dad thought he'd grow up because he went into the Marine Corps. My dad thinks that the Marine Corps is why he grew up 
but obviously he grew up because he grew up in spite of the military, you know, because I tried to explain that to my father. What, what about being told everything you need to do step by step and just doing it blindly is part of growing up dad. And I, until now, I don't think that I ever sunk in with him. Nothing about growing up is being able to make your own right decisions. Well, but that's the interesting piece about the scared straight mentality, right? Is if your dad is trying to do a scared straight tactic on you and your brother as a, as children, that's all happening in a vacuum, right? Because you get scared and then you realize, oh, this is just his buddy that's a cop and I suppose I can get away with this now. Like it's, it's all happening in a vacuum. Whereas it sounds like the experience he had that scared him straight by way of the military mm-hmm. was legitimate because he didn't have maybe anywhere else to get scared straight. And yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a tall order for parents because you always want your kids to have it better than you had it. Mm-hmm. But you also want to create a little bit of that struggle that makes them people who are full of character and not ungrateful little brats. Yeah. And I think, I think my dad's mentality was, throw something at me, I can get through it. And he just was proving that to himself, building his confidence by going to the military thing, you know, boot camp and whatnot. That was a whole different thing for my brother. I still don't think that the Marine Corps made my father. I think any struggle that he would have put himself through and then came out on top, he would have built his confidence. Well, it was a legitimate struggle. It wasn't manufactured, right? Right. And while I would say that military boot camp is still very much happening in a closed system, what it meant to him was still a very legitimate struggle. It wasn't manufactured from some uh, outside force that was trying to scare him straight. In fact, I'd love to see any metrics around the generational changes that have happened with any of the scared straight programs for as much of those daytime TV programs who send, you know, rowdy teens to that. I don't, see a ton of success stories of where are they now? Oh, they're productive citizens. Yeah. I don't know what my brother needed. They say hindsight's 2020, but it's really not, not in this circle. There's so many variables, right? And my parents were going through that with no help. There wasn't doctors that were like, they didn't want to send him to some psychiatrist or like, it wasn't the same back then, back in the 80s, right? Where parents could get that kind of help. And they were just being, I mean, honestly, the doctors were just like, he's fine. He just cries a lot. That's not, <laughs> that's not what was going on. And I was a little kid and I could tell you that, you know, it was, it was awful. Being a little kid, I was like, oh, pissed off at my brother, but 
being a father now, I'm like, think about it and what my parents, their struggle was like the guilt of not being able to stop whatever pain he was having. And the, just the constant of it, knowing something's wrong and nobody will help you. And, and I would say that's still the case today. I, I, I have a friend who recently had a child and for the first year of her life, she had something similar and she went to doctor after doctor, referral after referral until they eventually found out what was wrong and corrected it and now she has her child back and if it hadn't come to that who knows how long it would have gone on yeah and ended up with a very similar ending i think the idea that our medical knowledge and medical community are this exhaustive and complete understanding of the human body is just ridiculous and and this is not even really a commentary on covid or the last couple of years it's so, so much bigger than <coughs> that. just the idea that we have so many things that are not yet explained yet we rely on these folks as if they are the end all be all they're the best that we've right. got but we still have to take into account other factors and because we're not their customers anymore, it's our insurance companies and whatnot. There's not that time. The, their time is taken up filling out paperwork to get paid by insurance companies. They're not, they're not interested in spending time with you or getting to know you or any of that anymore. It's not part of being a doctor anymore. And see, I feel like that right there even back in the eighties was a problem. And I think that that would have changed things because if you would have stopped and looked at this woman, her kid, her older kid, right. <laughs> the father had seen the whole family. It wasn't just one hysterical woman or one hysterical man. It doesn't matter. Woman, man, whatever. I'm not bringing that into the issue, but like it was, it wasn't just one person upset that their baby was crying. It was real. And that never happened. And it's because there's not that connection anymore. Yeah, we've we've come quite a, a ways from the town doctor, right? Yeah, or even just a doctor that's your doctor. I mean, yes, you have a primary physician on your paperwork. Like, what is he to you? Does he know your brother's name when you go in there? How's the family? You don't even get that from him anymore. If your focus is on making sure the paperwork's right and not on the patients, what are you going to do? Well, we talk about this a lot with the other positions within the government. Everyone says, oh, do you hate so-and-so? He's your friend and he's a teacher or he's a cop or whatever. It's the position itself that creates the wrong incentive structures. It's not the person in the position. Right. So you're right. There is something to be said for the exception to the rule. 
the doctor who will go out of their way to create and nurture relationships with their patients, the doctor who will take a pay cut to go be a town doctor in some small town and work with fewer patients and have a better relationship. But the system is very much against that person in the same way that the system is very much against a cop who wants to do the right thing or a teacher who truly wants to educate. Yeah. I know we got off on a tangent besides the tips and whatnot, but this all comes together with just the humanity aspect of what we do through the Liberty movement. And it's to bring back humanity to the, to society, uh, the socialism and this fascism and this corporatism. The one thing it does is it takes the humanity out of it. That's what you always hear is like, Oh, on paperwork, communism is, you know, the best form of government. On paper, or yeah, I always hear that, and I'm like, yeah. If you factor out humanity, <laughs> if you take out humans, yeah. And I'm like, have you ever seen ants? I like to bring up ants because they're like, oh yeah, look at ants. They work together and they make these wonderful places to live. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know what they do with the old ones that aren't strong anymore? They have to go carry the shit in the bottom until they suffocate from the fumes down there and die because they're not useful anymore useful to the system there's no individual i don't care about your kid who's sick that is eerily reminiscent of how we treat the elderly right now that's what they you know they want to take enough of the the wealth out of the middle class that Both people have to work full-time. They don't have time to take care of the elderly. That way you'll be dependent on the government for when you get old, right? That's what, and then eventually that'll run out and, but there won't be anybody to take care of you then. And the government will be like, I can't do it anymore. And you'll be, you know, shoveling shit until you die of the fumes. It's ironic that so many of these movements that talk about one group or one people are not unifying movements. It's not talking about all of humanity. It's talking about all the people who agree with this way of thinking and then everyone else. That's why it doesn't really matter which of those ideologies you subscribe to because you're still choosing a team and it's not a team that includes or even could include all of humanity. Yeah. If you leave the government in it, if you take away, if you leave any power structure above the individual, then to control their life, then yes, you're right. It's, but as soon as you take that away, it doesn't matter. The ideology people sort it out. The only thing that we have to work out is the fact that you're going to have to, your ideology is going to have to accept that there's private property that exists, whether somebody owns a big piece of land and you guys in that piece of land don't do it 
that's that's fine but private property will have to exist in a free place so you're right it doesn't matter what you subscribe to your ideology as long as if it involves forceful coercion through threat of violence it all ends with roads being paved in human bones those people were ground up in Russia and used as gravel because that's what they were useful to the state as gravel, not as dead bodies, not as bones. It's somebody's child, somebody's mother. And, you know, you, you try to tell me that you're for humanity. You just want people to be okay. It doesn't sound okay to me. We got off on another tangent, but that's kind of what we do here. It's a trap, there's no con-